Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 22 to 23 and in the previous episode we read chapters 20 to 21. And before we start I would like to apologize for uploading this episode so late. Um, I have had a very very busy week um, so I was unable to upload this on time but I still hope that everyone is able to enjoy this episode and I will try my best to make the, uh, the next episode on time. So moving on to the recap of last episode, we now moved on to Percy and Annabeth, and they had finally been able to found, find a place with the help of Bob and be able to take some rest. And we left off on Annabeth uh, sleeping while Percy takes watch, and now we're going to see how does it feel to dream in Tartarus. So now we're going to read chapter 22, Annabeth. Later, she made a resolution. Never, ever sleep in Tartarus. Demigod dreams were always bad. Even in the safety of her bunk at camp, she'd had horrible nightmares. In Tartarus, they were a thousand times more vivid. First, she was a little girl again, struggling to climb Half-Blood Hill. Lucas Castellan held her hand, pulling her along. Their satyr guide, Grover Underwood, pranced nervously at the summit, yelling, Hurry! Hurry! Dahlia Grace uh, stood behind them, holding back an army of hellhounds with her terror-invoking shield, Aegis. From the top of the hill, Annabeth could see the camp in the valley below. The warm lights of the cabins, the possibility of sanctuary. She stumbled, twisting her ankle, and Luke scooped up to carry her. When they looked back, the monsters were only a few yards away. Dozens of them surrounding Talia. Go, Talia yelled. I'll hold him off. She brandished her spear and forked lightning slash through the monster's ranks. But as the hellhounds fell, more took their place. We have to run, Grover cried. He led the way into camp. Luke followed, with Annabeth crying, beating at his chest and screaming that they couldn't leave Talia alone. But it was too late. The scene shifted. Annabeth was older, climbing to the summit of Half-Blood Hill, where Talia had made her last stand. A tall pine tree now rose. Overhead, a storm was raging. Thunder shook the valley. A blast of lightning split the tree down to its roots, opening a smoking crevice. In the darkness below stood Reyna, the praetor of New Rome. Her cloak was the color of blood, fresh from a vein. Her gold armor glinted. She stared up, her face regal and distant spoke directly into Annabeth's mind. You have done well, Irena said, but the voice was Athena's. The rest of my journey must be on the wings of Rome. The praetor's dark eyes turned as gray as storm clouds. I must stand here, Irena told her. The Roman must bring me. The hill shook, the ground rippled as the grass became folds of silk. The dresses of a massive goddess, Gaia, rose over Camp Half-Blood, her sleeping face as large as a mountain. Hellhounds poured over the hills. Giants, six-armed, earthborn, and wild cyclops charged from the beach, tearing down the dining pavilion, setting fire to the cabins and the big house. Hurry, said the voice of Athena. The message must be sent. The ground split at Annabeth's feet and she fell into darkness. Her eyes flew open. She cried out, grasping Percy's arms. She was still in Tartarus. 
at the shrine of Hermes. It's okay, Percy promised. Bad dreams? Her body tingled with dread. Is it, is it my turn to watch? No, no, we're good. I let you sleep. Percy! Hey, it's fine. Besides, I was too excited to sleep. Look! Bob the Titan sat cross-legged by the altar, happily munching a piece of pizza. Ameth rubbed her eyes, wondering if she was still dreaming. Is that... Pepperoni? Burnt offerings, Percy said. Sacrifices to Hermes from the mortal world, I guess. They appeared in a cloud of smoke. We got half a hot dog, some grapes, a plate of roast beef, and a package of peanut M&M's. M&M's for Bob! Bob said happily. Uh, that okay? Emma didn't protest. Percy brought her the plate of roast beef and she wolfed it down. She never tasted anything so good. The brisket was still hot with exactly the same spicy sweet glaze as the barbecue at Camp Half-Blood. I know, said Percy, reading her expression. I think it is from Camp Half-Blood. The idea made Annabeth giddy with homesickness. At every meal, the campers would burn a portion of their food to honor their godly parents. The smoke supposedly pleased the gods, but Annabeth had never thought about where the food went when it was burned. Maybe the offerings reappeared on the gods' altars in Olympus. Or even here, in the middle of Tartarus. Peanut M&Ms, Annabeth said. Connor Stoll always burned a pack for his dad at dinner. She thought about sitting in the dining pavilion, watching the sunset over Long Island Sound, That was the first place she and Percy had truly kissed. Her eyes smarted. Percy put his hand on her shoulder. Hey, this is good. Actual food from home, right? She nodded. They finished eating in silence. Bob chomped down on the last of his M&Ms. Should go, Dal. They'll be here in a few minutes. A few minutes? Annabeth reached for a dagger, then remembered she didn't have it. Yes, well, I think minutes. Bob scratched his silver hair. Time is hard in Tartars. Not the same. Percy crept to the edge of a crater. He peered back the way they'd come. I don't see anything. But that doesn't mean much. Bob, which giants are we talking about? Which titans? Bob grunted. Oh, not sure of names. Six, maybe seven? I can sense them. Six or seven? Amber wasn't sure her barbecue would stay down. And can they sense you? Don't know. Bob smiled. Bob is different, but they can smell demigods, yes. You two smell very strong. Good strong, like... Hmm. Like buttery bread. Buttery bread, Annabeth said. Well, that's great. Percy climbed back to the altar. Is it possible to kill a giant in Tartarus? I mean, since we don't have a god to help us. He looked at Annabeth as if she actually had an answer. Percy, I don't know. Traveling in Tartarus, fighting monsters here... It's never been done before. Maybe Bob could help us kill a giant. Maybe a titan would count as a god. I just don't know. Yeah, Percy said. Okay. She could see the worry in his eyes. For years, he depended on her for answers. Now, when he needed her most, she couldn't help. She hated being so clueless, but nothing she'd ever learned at camp had prepared her for Tartarus. There was only one thing she was sure of. They had to keep moving. They couldn't be caught by six or seven hostile immortals. She stood, still disoriented from her nightmares. Bob started cleaning up, collecting their trash in a little pile, using his squirt bottle to wipe off the altar. Where to now? Annabeth asked. Percy pointed at the stormy wall of darkness. Bob says that way. Apparently the doors of death. You told him? 
Emma didn't mean it to come out so harsh, but Percy winced. While you were asleep, he admitted, Ameth, Bob can help. We need a guide. Bob helps, Bob agreed. Into the dark lands, the doors of death. Hmm, walking straight to them will be bad. Too many monsters gathered there. Even Bob could not sweep that many. They would kill Percy and Annabeth in about two seconds, the Tyne frowned. I think seconds. Time is hard in Tartars. Right, Annabeth grumbled. So is there any other way? Hiding, said Bob. The death mist could hide you. Oh, Annabeth suddenly felt very small in the shadow of the Titan. Um, what is death mist? It is dangerous, Bob said. But if the lady will give you death mist, it might hide you. If we can avoid night, the lady is very close to night. That is bad. The lady, Percy repeated. Yes, Bob pointed ahead of them into the inky blackness. We should go. Percy glanced at Annabeth, obviously hoping for guidance, but she had none. She was thinking about her nightmares, Talia's tree splintering by lightning, Gaia rising on the hillside and unleashing her monsters on Camp Half-Blood. Okay then, Percy said, I guess we'll see a lady about some death mist. Wait, Annabeth said. Her mind was buzzing. She thought of her dream about Luke and Talia. She recalled the stories Luke had told her about his father, Hermes, god of travelers, guide to the spirits of the dead, god of communication. She stared at the black altar. Annabeth? Percy sounded concerned. She walked to the pile of trash and picked out a reasonably clean paper napkin. She remembered her vision of Raina, standing in the smoking crevice beneath the ruins of Talia's pine tree, speaking with the voice of Athena. I must stand here. The Romans must bring me. Hurry. The message must be sent. Bob, she said. Offerings burning the mortal world would appear on this altar, right? Bob frowned uncomfortably like he wasn't ready for a pop quiz. Yes? So what happens if I burn something on the altar here? Uh, that's all right. Annabeth said, you don't know. Nobody knows because it's never been done. There was a chance, she thought. Just the slimmest chance that an offering burned on this altar might appear at Camp Half-Blood. Doubtful if it did work. Annabeth, Percy said again, you're planning something. You got that I'm planning something look. I don't have a I'm planning something look. Yeah, you do. Your eyebrows knit and your lips pressed together and... Do you have a pen? She asked him. You're kidding, right? He brought out Riptide. Yes, but can you actually write with it? I don't know, he admitted. Never tried. He uncapped the pen. As usual, it sprang into a full-sized sword. Annabeth watched him do this hundreds of times. Normally, when he fought, Percy simply discarded the cap. It always appeared in his pocket later as needed, and when he touched the cap to the point of the sword, it would turn back into a ballpoint pen. What if you touch the cap to the other po- other end of the sword? Annabeth said, like where you put the cap if you're actually going to write with pen. Uh, Percy looked doubtful, but he t- touched the cap to the hilt of the sword. Riptide shrank back into a ballpoint pen, but now the writing point was excused. May I? Annabeth plucked it from his hand. She flattened the napkin against the altar and began to write. Riptide's ink glowed celestial bronze. What are you doing? Percy said. Percy asked. Sending a message, Annabeth said. I just hope Rachel gets it. Rachel? Percy asked. You mean our Rachel, Oracle of Delphi, Rachel? That's the one. Annabeth suppressed a smile. Whenever she brought up Rachel's name, Percy got nervous. At one point, Rachel had been interested in dating Percy. That was ancient history. Rachel and Annabeth were good friends now, but Annabeth didn't mind making Percy a little uneasy. You had to keep your boyfriend on his toes. 
Emmett finished her note and folded the napkin. On the outside, she wrote, Connor, give this to Rachel. Not a prank. Don't be a moron. Love, Annabeth. She took a deep breath. She was asking Rachel Dana to do something ridiculously dangerous, but it was the only way she could think of something to communicate with the Romans. The only way that might avoid bloodshed. Now I just need to burn it, she said. Anybody got a match? The point of Bob's sphere shot from his broom handle. It sparked against the altar and erupted in silvery fire. Oh, thanks. Ambit lit the napkin and set it on the altar. She watched it crumble to the uh, to ash and wondered if she was crazy. Could the smoke really make it out of Tartarus? We should go now, Bob advised. Really, really go, before we're killed. Ambit stared at the wall of blackness in front of him. Somewhere in there was a lady who disappeared, dispensed a death mist that might hide them from monsters. A plan recommended by a titan, one of their bitterest enemies, another dose of weirdness, weirdness to explode her brain. Right, she said. I'm ready. And that's the end of chapter 21. Bob? That, well, first of all, before I start, um, that was an incredible chapter. And I think that when we move on to um, the characters, I think that we're starting to understand that obviously Bob is a titan or used to be a titan before his memory was gone. And because of that, he had created a lot of fear among pe- among demigods, including Annabeth. So I think that it's going to take some time for Annabeth to open up to Iapetus, or should we say Bob, so that maybe she is a pivotal role in helping to uh, change potentially Iapetus forever, or just hoping that he never ever returns to the destro- the, the, the titan of destruction, as I would like to say. But yeah, after the break, we'll continue this and we'll read chapters 23. Um, Don't go yet. uh, Maybe grab some water, grab some snacks, do whatever you need to do and come back because we got an interesting chapter. See you after the break. And we're back from the break. And now we're going to read chapter 23 and Beth. Ameth literally stumbled over the second titan. After entering the stormfront, they plodded on for what seemed like hours. Relying on the light of Percy's celestial bronze blade and on Bob, who glowed faintly in the dark like some sort of crazy janitor angel. Ameth could only see five feet in front of her. In a strange way, the dark lands reminded her of San Francisco, where her dad lived. On those summer afternoons, when the fog bank rolled in like cold, wet, packaging material and swallowed Pacific Heights. Except here in Tartarus, the fog was made of ink. Rocks loomed out of nowhere. Pits appeared out at their feet, and Annabeth barely avoided falling in. Monstrous roars echoed in the gloom, but Annabeth couldn't tell where they came from. All she could be certain of was that the terrain was still sloping down. Down seemed to be the only direction allowed in Tartarus. If Annabeth backtracked even a step, she felt tired and heavy, as if gravity were increasing to discourage her. Assuming that the entire pit was the body of Tartarus, Annabeth had a nasty feeling that they were marching straight down his throat. She was so preoccupied with that thought that she didn't even notice the ledge until it was too late. Percy yelled, Whoa! He grabbed her for her arm, but she was already falling. Fortunately, it was only a shallow depression. Most of it was filled with a monster blister. She had a soft landing on a warm, bouncy surface and was feeling lucky until she opened her eyes and found herself 
staring through a golden, glowing gold membrane at another much larger face. She screamed and flailed, toppling sideways off the mound. Her heart did an hundred jumping jacks. Percy helped her to her feet. You okay? She didn't trust herself to answer. If she opened her mouth, she might scream again, and that would be undignified. She was a daughter of Athena, not some shrill, girly victim in a horror movie. Gods of Olympus, curled in the membrane bubble in front of her, was a fully formed titan in golden armor, his skin the color of polished pennies. His eyes were closed, but he scowled so deeply, he appeared to be on the verge of a blood-curling war cry. Even through the blister, Annabeth could feel the heat radiating from his body. Hyperion, Percy said. I hate that guy. Amber's shoulders suddenly ached from an old wound. During the Battle of Manhattan, Percy had fought this titan at the reservoir, water against fire. It had been the first time Percy had summoned a hurricane, which was something Annabeth would ever forget. Which wasn't something Annabeth would ever forget. I saw Grover turn this guy into a maple tree. Yeah, Percy agreed. Maybe the maple tree died and he wound up back here. Hammoth remembered how Hyperion had summoned fiery explosions and how many satyrs and nymphs he destroyed before Percy and Grover stopped him. She was about to suggest that they burst Hyperion's bubble before he woke up. He looked ready to pop out at any moment and start charboiling everything in his path. Then she glanced at Bob. The silvery titan was studying Hyperion with a frown of concentration, maybe recognition. Their faces looked so much alike. Hammoth bit back a curse. Of course they looked alike. Hyperion was his brother. Hyperion was the Titan Lord of the East. Iapetus, Bob, was the Lord of the West. Take away Bob's room and his janitor's closet, put him in armor and cut his hair, change his color scheme from silver to gold, and Iapetus would have almost been indistinguishable from Hyperion. Bob, she said, we should go. Gold? Not silver? Bob murmured. But he looks like me. Bob. Percy said, hey, buddy, over here. The Titan reluctantly turned. Am I your friend? Percy asked. Yes? Bob sounded dangerously uncertain. We are friends. You know that some monsters are good, Percy said, and some are bad. Hmm, Bob said. Like, the pretty ghost ladies who serve Persephone are good. Exploding zombies are bad. Right, Percy said, and some mortals are good and some are bad. Well, the same thing is true for titans. Titans? Bob loomed over them, glowering. Annabeth was pretty sure her boyfriend had just made a big mistake. That's what you are, Percy said calmly. Bob the Titan, you're good, you're awesome, in fact. But some titans are not. This guy here, Hyperion, is full-on bad. You try to kill me. Try to kill a lot of people. Bob blinked his silver eyes. But he looks... His face is so... He looks like you, Percy agreed. He's a titan like you, but he's not good like you are. Bob is good. His fingers tightened on his broom handle. Yes, there's always at least one good one. Monsters, titans, giants. I... Percy grimaced. Oh, I'm not sure about the giants. Oh, yes. Bob nodded earnestly. Yeah, it sense they'd already been at this place too long. Their pursuers would be closing in. We should go, she urged. What do we do about Bob? Percy said, it's your call. Hyperion is your kind. We can leave him alone, but if he wakes up... Bob's broom spear swept into motion. If 
he'd been aiming at Annabeth or Percy, they would have been cut in half. Said Bob slashed with the monster's blister, which burst in a geyser of hot golden mud. Annabeth wiped the titan sludge out of her eyes where Hyperion had been. There was nothing but a smoking crater. Hyperion is a bad titan, Bob announced, his expression grim. Now he can't hurt my friends. He'll have to reform somewhere else in Tartarus. Hopefully, it will take a long time. The Titan's eyes seemed brighter than usual, as if you were about to cry Quicksilver. Thank you, Bob, Percy said. How was he keeping his cool? The way he talked to Annabeth left Annabeth awestruck. And maybe a little uneasy, too. If Percy, if Percy had been serious about leaving the choice to Bob, then she didn't like how much he trusted the Titan. If he'd been manipulating Bob into making that choice... Well then, Annabeth was stunned that Percy could be so calculating. He met her eyes, but she couldn't read his expression. That bothered her too. We'd better keep we'd better keep going, he said. She and Percy followed Bob, the golden mud flexed from Hyperion's burst bubble glowing on his janitor's uniform. And that's the end of chapter twenty-four. So now we have gotten some really, really important information. Annabeth is now starting to realize that there are also other aspects of Percy, and she's not sure whether she likes those. Seeing Percy manipulate Bob into believing that Hyperion was an enemy, even though Hyperion is literally Iapetus's or Bob's actual brother, Annabeth feels kind of scared that she doesn't know the side of Percy. It's it's a side that's unknown to her. And I think that could be an obstacle during their relationship that they face in their time during Tartarus. Because it's just the two of them together. So the more and more they, they go through experiences together, the more and more they learn about each other. And this time, we see that Annabeth has learned that Percy can be manipulative. And that he does have the capabilities of doing other things that she may not know of. So overall, I think that this was a very, very fascinating episode. Um, we will now move on to the shoutouts and the Q&A session. And yeah. So let's move on to the shoutouts first. Donut Queen, Archon, Josie, Anika, Leah, Nyberg. Thank you guys for uh, supporting. And if I miss anyone else, do please let me know in the next episode. Uh, moving on to the questions. Uh, what is what are my thoughts on the TV show coming out? I definitely think that uh, I I hope is going to be better because I do know that they're working actively with Rick with Rick Riordan on this. So I think that who knows it could create a legacy that the Harry Potter movies did. Um, I do know that the Percy Jackson movies were, in a lot of people's opinions, not the best. Um, I personally have not seen them, but. Uh, I've heard from other people that maybe it wasn't their favorite movie of all time, but yeah, I'm really pumped for for this uh, for the show. I, I I can't wait to see how they're gonna recreate Camp Half Blood, and if they're gonna move on to the Heroes of Olympus as well, how they're gonna recreate Camp Jupiter, and then all of these different battles. It's gonna be a great ride. Um, what is my dream Percy Jackson weapon? Um, I would probably say, um, in terms of Percy Jackson himself, I do think that Riptide is probably one of the best weapons, um, so far. Um, I would also tie that with Backbiter, which I do believe is Luke's, Luke Castellan's, um, weapon. I think that those two are pretty, pretty on par with each other, um, simply because of the advantages that both of them provide. 
in terms of, you know, war and fighting and battling people. Um, next question. Uh, would you rather be a hunter of Artemis or an Amazon warrior? I think I'm more knowledgeable in regards to the hunters of Artemis than regards to an Amazon warrior. So just based off of that, I'd probably say a hunter of Artemis. But if I were to learn about the Amazon warrior, then maybe my opinion could shift. But I think the more and more that I've grown to know about uh, Artemis and the way that she's very caring for her leaders, not that the Amazons are not caring towards each other, but I think that in a way how Artemis is just is is kind of like the mother to the to her hunt hunters. She's she's uh the all caring or she's like the older sister to all of them. So I think that that kind of relationship seems really nice and I'd probably like to be in something like that. Um what is my favorite f- book from the first series? I'd probably say Sea of Monsters. I think that that's that that book was definitely a very interesting one. I think I I think it it definitely had a lot more twists despite it being the second book, but it was it was it was great. I think that it was definitely um one of the well, one of my favorites in the first series. Um what is my Hogwarts house? Uh that is a great question. I have taken the quiz several times and I have ended up with different results every time, so I guess I am all of them. <laughs> uh which is pretty funny, but I took it recently and I think I got Hufflepuff. So I guess I'm a Hufflepuff. Um next one, what monster if I could create a monster, what what would I create and what weapons would I have? Um I definitely would want it to be small and nimble because I feel like with giants and all the other titans, they're pretty large and I feel like that's their weakness when they come to battling the demigods. So I think if they were to give a monster that was the same size as the demigods it would be a f- really interesting fight because when you're very when you're very tall or very, when you're very um when you're just huge in general i think that leaves a lot of open spots no matter mo no matter what so i think that if i were to my monster would be the same size and then in terms of weapons i'd probably have something related to blue's backbiter um, or maybe a combination between Riptide and Backbiter. Um, do I like Pokemon? Uh, yes, I've, it's, I, I've, I've loved Pokemon ever since I was a kid. Um, it's a childhood favorite of mine. Uh, are you reading all the Rick Riordan books? Uh, I do plan to do so, yes. Uh, favorite God, Dionysus. I believe I said him right, but yes, Dionysus. And that concludes our Q&A session. If you guys want to ask any more questions, feel free to access the Spotify app. And then when you go straight to my podcast, it should give you an op- It should give you an option to um, ask me a question there. And I will try my best to answer. Thank you guys for all, uh, for, for all, uh, all that you do. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to, you can check out the Patreon, uh, the link to my Patreon in the description of my podcast. And it would mean a lot. But it's totally optional, and I totally get it. But I still appreciate um, you guys supporting and listening to this episode. So yeah, uh, until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.